Come on, man. Patriots, welcome to episode 148 of the Patriot Review. If you're joining us on Blessed News, uh, welcome. And uh, we are also on Rumble and CloudHub streaming live. We upload to frankspeech.com and, uh, of course, uh, BitChute uh, and the website. My website, actually, if you go to redbloodedpatriots.com, that uh, you can find all my videos and you can also download them. So you can check that out again. It's redbloodedpatriots.com. So we're going to get right into it today. I want to um, I'm going to re-air a interview that I did with Sarah Mitchell, who uh, is a a victim of the COVID protocols. Her husband Kyle was, in my opinion, murdered because of the COVID protocols, and um, she she has a, another heart wrenching story. And you've heard probably several of them if you watch Breaking the Oath. Of course, that's Grace Shera's story, but um, there are so many of these, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to to reintroduce um, inter- interviews like this to you, especially if you're new viewers, you haven't seen them. But um, uh, this is what's at stake, and given the stories in the news here. On today's signal, if I can get this up here. Um, given the news, as as far as what's happening today, you can see in the uh, uh, in the newspapers and on the on TV. You know, it's um, it's something that is coming back to haunt us, and that is this: the mandates and the shots and everything is coming back and it's it's something that you know at this point in time we just have have to be able to say no to it and stand up as you know an as a um, as a an organ, organized <laughs> revolt i guess you would say not violent of course but you know we need to stand up and say no in the words of Nancy Reagan just say no we need her back to campaign for this, I guess, because uh, it's it's something that um, is mind-numbing, that even though there's all kinds of proof out there, like this article, you know, COVID mask linked to seizures, cancer. And this is the National Institute of Health study, right? This is the NIH. So this is, this is one of the organizations that they always pointed to. And, um, you know, to help them push through their agenda. So... You know, we have all this conflicting information, and it's one of those things where we've talked in the past about, you know, you believe your, you're going to believe your eyes, or you're going to believe what you're being force-fed or spoon-fed. Unfortunately, the sheep, there's still plenty of sheep lining up to 
uh, buy into this, and uh, it's just it's a sad state. So uh, I wanted to replay this interview. I'm going to do that uh, right after the first commercial break, which I'm going to put in here now, so we can um, we can get right to the interview. After we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I um, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, though I was still pretty sick. And I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we Jessica and I had to spend a few moments just with Grace alone, and it was it was just a horrific. Um, sight to come upon was the fact that her daughter Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our, our minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off it was still on. This was hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone and as soon as we did that the color of grace changed and um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. Not one person stepped foot in that room. How can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace was worth more dead than alive. We don't just need food, we need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. If you'd like to get yourself some Kingdom Fuel and other great products you from uh, Dr. Mark Sherwood, and you can go to sherwood.tv slash TPR. That's sherwood.tv slash TPR. Man, I'm having some trouble just uh, <laughs> just putting the senses together this morning. It's um, I have only had one cup of coffee. That's probably the problem. But um, all right, I'm going to get to this interview, and I'll be back to wrap things up. Uh, at the end. I'd like to welcome Miss Sarah Mitchell to the show. Sarah is someone very special who I met at a rally for Scott Sherry. You may remember I had 
him on to talk about his daughter Grace and tragically this COVID protocols and COVID uh, medical treatment uh, story is affecting thousands of people not only in our country but around the world. Uh, Sarah lost her husband unfortunately Kyle who was 39 to COVID treatment protocols and she is sharing her story bravely and wanting to get the word out there as to what happened and uh, it's a it's of critical importance obviously so Sarah welcome to the show I uh, I appreciate you being here I know it's not easy and we'll, we'll go through and discuss it to, to whatever level you'd like to today and I have to say right up front that yes you have a little puppy who's very very uh, energized here today so uh, the viewers can hear him, I'm sure, but that's okay. We'll we'll go through this and stick to what's important. All right, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's an honor, and you know, I uh, I'm doing this, and the people I meet while doing this now, I've done it uh, only a year, a little more, and the people I meet are fantastic. There's a lot of folks out there that are struggling with this whole uh, COVID situation and the vaccine and whether or not to get it and the, the abuse on freedoms. So again, I really think it's important that you're here to tell your story and I really appreciate it. So I will let, I will step out of the way and let you uh, tell your story and I may just interject for points of clarity. So sure. uh, go right ahead. All right, so um, in November 2021, um, my husband on November 7th started having a cough, very mild symptoms, um, and my daughter did as well, who's six years old, and so um, that was pretty much it. It was very mild at the beginning, and then as the days went on, a couple days went on, uh, he started to feel like muscle aches, the chills, started spiking fevers, and then a couple days later, I started getting sick as well with the same symptoms, but I was always like a little bit behind Kyle. Um, so once he lost his taste and his smell, um, I told him maybe that he should go to urgent care and get tested so that we would know if it was COVID. Um, so he was tested on November 11th is when his COVID test came back positive. Um, and he was still doing okay. It was still a lot of fevers, headaches, things like that. We're managing everything with Tylenol and Motrin. Um, around that time, shortly after he got his positive diagnosis, um, I, I pre previous to this, I had heard about, you know, ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, um, alternate treatments or any treatments for COVID that I heard, you know, they were having good success with and kind of hear like um, about the hospitals, kind of what's going on, but kind of vaguely what's going on because still kind of, it was kind of new, I guess, at that time. And, um, but I, I always heard like vent, bad, remdesivir, bad. Um, I heard Dr. Artis, one of his, um, him speak one time. Uh, so I really didn't know too much about remdesivir at the time, but I knew like it wasn't good and we were gonna try to avoid the hospital. So I um, contacted one of the telehealth doctors and got a prescription for Kyle over the phone. Um, he did for um, ivermectin and azithromycin, a Z-pack. And so we went to the pharmacy. At this time, we're all sick. My son wasn't sick at all. He had no symptoms, so we were just quarantining him. 
but um so we went to the pharmacy two local pharmacies and they they filled the azithromycin but both pharmacies told me that they could not get or or could not fill the ivermectin prescriptions so and why did they tell you what was the reason they gave you for not being able to fill that they didn't give me a reason they okay. said one of them said something about the dosing and they needed to verify it and they needed to talk to the doctor that prescribed it and then we gave them the contact information and then they still came back and said that they couldn't fill it and what's your background sarah i'm a registered nurse and um i work in labor and delivery so like we get mildly sick covid patients are asymptomatic mostly um so my interaction with COVID patients is very limited and, but, I, um, and I have to say here for the viewers um, the rally that I met you at there were several nurses there and even yeah. though you're a registered nurse as you tell your story uh, you know I, I was uh, I am shocked at the lack of um, I guess professional respect that yeah that you were shown and you're not the only one so i just wanted to point that out you are a registered nurse yeah. so i mean you know something about all this stuff and yeah. uh so the pharmacy told you they couldn't give it to you they didn't really give you a valid reason yeah. go ahead and pick it up from there um so we kind of like we're just gonna keep trying to find other places but we were sick so we were trying to rest as much as possible take care of our kids get better um so as the days went on I, it was november 14th kyle started feeling like he was having a difficult time taking a full breath um prior to this kyle had no medical history besides sleep apnea which i understand you know sleep apnea is not just something to write off but that was his only medical history everything else is fine he, he's he goes to the doctor everything has been perfect blood pressure perfect everything so he's a pretty healthy guy he's only yeah. 39 here so yeah so um very active with work and everything fit guy so he was just having a little bit of trouble catching his breath so um i said well that telehealth doctor didn't give us any steroids or anything maybe you need that um so I, I, we made an appointment with urgent care which was the next day and actually i had a pulse ox um home reader to check his oxygen i ordered that to like a couple days before like online so it came right away and his oxygen was reading like 84 to 94 percent um so we thought okay we can make it you know through the night to urgent care and hopefully just get steroids so the next day we went to urgent care and he went in by himself and um they took his vitals and his oxygen was 91 percent and they told him that he was hypoxic and they wouldn't treat him there and that he needed to go to the emergency room and basically the nurse got on the phone with me and kind of gave me a slap on the wrist for i'm a nurse i should know better um and told me to take him to the er so we were afraid um because you hear extremes from both sides mm -hmm. you know the story about covid crap so we listened to them and trusted them because they're healthcare professionals as i am too so we trusted them and we went to the emergency room so he went in by himself because of course you can't have visitors with covid and um i just waited for a little bit and then went home and waited for him, updates from him and he said that they did um a ct scan and x-ray and he didn't have any clots or anything that they could show on the ct but he did have atypical pneumonia consistent with um covid so they started him on an oral and um steroid 
and I'm pretty sure I haven't gone through his complete record because it's very, very overwhelming. But from my memory of what happened and going through the text and stuff, he was on room air. And I did see like his ER uh, note um, when what I have gone through the records and his auction was 98% when they admitted him to the hospital. So they were going to keep him for observation and give him steroids. So is that normal to have a discrepancy to 91 to 98% from well, it fluctuates, so it's not always the same. So if you're taking deep breaths, so like in the hospital, um, like if I work with a patient and uh, I don't know, there's you if you take their pulse ox and it's like 94 or whatever, because it should be 94 or above unless they have some kind of lung injury um, or lung disease. So you just tell them to take a couple deep breaths, you know, and then you could see the oxygen come up. So it does fluctuate, yeah. So at 98%, I mean, he's he's not in any danger at 98%. No. Okay. So uh, go on. There. Sorry. Yep. So um, at that time is pretty much when the remdesivir conversation started. And we had asked about monoclonal antibodies. Um, we asked about ivermectin right off the get because once I think the day that he went to the hospital, um, I actually either that day or the next day, was able to hunt down a pharmacy that would fill the ivermectin. So within the first couple of days, I got that prescription filled for him. Um, I had to go to a compound pharmacy and get that filled. So I had that on me. And so we were asking about the ivermectin and they were refusing, you know, to let him take his own prescription that was, you know, written and filled by a doctor in a pharmacy. Um, and they just kept on with these remdesivir conversations and they were continually telling him that there were patients and they're like him, similar age, everything like that condition and that they were getting remdesivir and they were like improving and they were getting better. And if he didn't take the remdesivir, then they weren't sure um, if he was going to make it or, you know, this whole thing is so unknown. They can't make any guarantees. They just kept on pushing it, pushing it, and telling them about all these other patients that were getting better from taking it. Now, did so, they give you an option? Did they give you an option to to take him back home at that time, or what were they saying about that? So, no, um, no, it was um, on the seventeenth. So he was admitted on the fifteenth, and the seventeenth they were going to discharge him home because he'd been doing fine. And uh, like we just before is like your oxygen fluctuates you know with movement not movement whatever and um, when they were going to discharge him home they checked his oxygen it was 88% and at that time they put high flow oxygen on him and I also want to mention that they were not continuously monitoring his oxygen during those first two days at all even though he was supposed to be there for a rest you know they told me hypoxia, you know. Right, a respiratory condition yeah. that they're yeah. not monitoring, basically. So I guess what strikes me with all these stories, they all have this similar um, this similar um, event going through where these their, their loved ones, when they're in the hospital, they're almost militant about keeping them. It's like, yeah. you know, I've, I've never heard one victim of these COVID protocols, which is what you are, yeah. Uh, say to me that they were given an option that, okay, well, if you don't like what we're doing, you can take your loved one home. Yeah. Uh, did, did, did that strike you as strange? I mean, you've been working in healthcare, right? So the, the I whole... know it's 
at first I didn't think of it like that. Um, they were going to discharge him. He seemed to be doing better. The remdesivir conversations were continuous from everybody. And he was mm -hmm. asking questions and I told him, no, like we don't want that. And he was telling them we didn't want that. Um, but when they were going to discharge him and they took his oxygen, it was 88 and they threw that high flow on him and scared him. I don't know what they said or whatever. Um, but that night, I think just so many people had got to him, bullying him and, and terrifying him about what could potentially happen if he didn't take the remdesivir. Um, he made that decision and he did consent to remdesivir. You know, he was he was very afraid. Um, I talked to him a lot in those first couple of days and he, he seemed to be doing OK. But when they like I think they like freaked him out when his oxygen was slightly low and threw that high flow oxygen on him and kept on impressing him and telling him he couldn't get monoclonal antibodies because he was too sick. I think he was he was afraid and 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 I can't blame him for making that decision to take the remdesivir because he he was scared and he just wanted to do whatever he needed to do to get home. Do you so, do you know uh, whether or not they gave him the facts as to what the what the potential risks were like they're required to do? I do not know. Um, I knew that it caused it was it had potential to cause kidney injury or kidney damage, and I told Kyle that. Um, but whatever, I don't know what they told him um, to make him consent to it and decide to take it. Uh, one thing that it crosses my mind when I when I hear these terrible stories is that Americans are kind of conditioned because every time you see something on on the television advertising for a prescription drug, what do you hear? You hear laundry lists of potential side effects and everybody begins to think that well these potential side effects side effects are so so rare that right. yeah so it almost um, it almost desensitizes people to the situations like this one which now in my mind can be directly blamed and these people are directly responsible for yeah. and the research is out there and i have to say I have to I have to say this it's my opinion but I believe that the information was out there that they still knowingly went ahead and pushed this stuff mm -hmm. and they are re directly responsible for what I believe is murder and I believe that with yeah. all my heart so yeah. so up to this point you have him making the decision that he would go ahead with the remdesivir and what yeah. happened after that um, so I believe at that time they started giving him IV steroids also, and I was asking about budesonide for inhaled steroid. Um, and I would talk to the doctors. Uh, they were probably being a little more courteous to me because they know I'm an employee at their sister hospital and I'm a nurse. Um, so I would talk to the attendings like once a day and um, I talked to him that day on the 17th or that night, I believe. And the attending told me that they would not give inhaled breathing treatments, nebulizers to any COVID patients because it, it will aerosolize and spew COVID everywhere, which does not make sense to me because my husband was alert and oriented. He was in an isolation room. The respiratory therapist didn't even have to be in the room. They could have stood outside the door and he could have held the nebulizer, but they were so adamant. I even talked to, um, I think it was the pulmonary doctor and they said the same thing. And, um, so anyway, that that was that. I, I even asked about getting a negative pressure room and the attending doctor, you know how TB patients are in negative yeah, pressure yeah. rooms. I know hospitals have these things. I'm not right. an idiot. Um, and he said, well, that's not going to happen. That's like the answers that I would get. Wow. Yep. And I'm hearing that 
Also a common thread in this is that the family members are treated with, you know, talk about discourteous disdain. Yeah. Uh, that's That's been shocking for me, yeah. you know, and growing up in the United States, I think we, we all just take for granted that these people have the best interest of the patients at heart. And what we're finding out is that's not so. And, and we're finding out more and more every day about the payoffs and the cash behind yeah. a lot of these decisions. And it's disgusting. Yeah, it is. So, so um, yeah. Um, once he started getting the remdesivir is when things he really started to get worse. And like I said before, they weren't even checking his oxygen. So who knows if whatever but um so uh each day it was like he had the high flow on and then he would have a breathing mask over it um and so we were watching that for days and hoping you know his lungs would heal and things would get better well kind of at the same time i'm literally logging into kyle's my chart like every single day checking all the labs watching every single thing because i'm like you guys are gonna be checking the kidney labs right and if, if something goes bad um like you're gonna stop it and and they were fine like throughout the he got the five-day course of remdesivir now the kidneys were okay at that time but like i said his his um consumption for oxygen was increased so he was needing more and more oxygen uh also at the same time uh towards the end of november now his white blood cell count started rising and i had been like watching it but it was like continually rising 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 every single day was going up and up so i questioned them about that and they told me that it was the steroids and i'm like are you sure it's the steroids because my husband is now like not up and moving like he usually is and if you're telling me he has viral pneumonia and they were refusing to treat it with antibiotics because i asked that from the get-go you're saying it's a virus it's not going to treat that kind of pneumonia but if that fluid is just sitting in the lungs and the patient's not up moving and in doing deep breathing and things like that because they're desaturating because they're having difficulty breathing um then that is a high likelihood of it turning to bacterial pneumonia but they would not listen to me or hear me out um they just kept telling me it's increasing because of the steroids it's increasing because of steroids so so that point that points a big has a is a major point to me the bells are ringing because this happens every day especially to mm -hmm. people who are older right i mean they go in and a lot of people you know they have a surgery and they, mm -hmm. they their lungs fill up and they they have pneumonia eventually and could could even die from that as a complication yeah. right mm -hmm. so i mean they know what this is yeah it's 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 so odd to me how pneumonia is so different than covid pneumonia because once you get the covid label it's like this treatment protocol and you can't vary outside of that at all it doesn't matter if it's still pneumonia you get this covid label and everything we've ever known has gone out the window it's this whole new thing um so yeah they were like refusing to kind of acknowledge that that was i was like okay whatever you guys i'll keep watching we'll keep watching um, so we video chatted my husband on Thanksgiving. Um, actually, the day before Thanksgiving, we were video chatting a lot, and he was like feeling good and doing really well. So the next day, I went to his his dad's house um, for Thanksgiving, and his mom came over, and we were video chatting. And I could tell like he wasn't feeling as well. Um, he just said that he was having like a harder time um, catching his breath, and that he had this pain in his like neck and his back. And so
American Patriots. It's me, Wayne Allyn otherwise known as War. I have a very special announcement for all of you. My hit show, Wayne Allyn Raw and Unfiltered, is coming to the brand new station that's taking over the nation, Blessed News Network. God has opened a door in my life to be part of this amazing new Christian conservative network live every night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on our channel on Roku TV, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and streaming live on the Blessed News iPhone and Android apps. Tune in to watch me drive home the truth and dismantle the fake news narrative with big name nightly guests and exclusive interviews with all the heavy hitters you know and love. Become part of history as we make America godly again and launch the first faith-centered conservative broadcasting network where Jesus Christ is commander-in-chief of all of our stories and where truth and integrity really matter. Join me Monday through Friday on any of our platforms or on the Blessed News website, blessed.news, where you can stream all the shows for free or you can sign up for Blessed Plus for even more access to Raw and Unfiltered with me, Wayne Allen Root, the hardest working man in show business. Thank you and God bless America. Steel News will be joining the Blessed News Network 11 p.m. weeknights. I'm Ann Vandersteel. I'm very excited to be a part of the programming put together by Jake Lang. Doesn't matter if he's behind bars. He's a January 6th political hero, as far as I'm concerned. And Steel News will be reporting the truth of everything happening, not only in the swamp, but around the world to help you put into context what's really going on so you can make the best decisions for you and your family. Steel News, 11 p.m. on the Blessed News Network. To the conclusion that he kept, the monitor was behind him, so he kept looking behind him to check the monitor, and it, they thought like he strained his neck or something doing that. So they gave him Tylenol. So the day after Thanksgiving, um, I think I got ahead of myself. Um, but At this the, point in time, how long has he been in? You were about two weeks? Yeah, he's about two weeks. Um, should, I, I just remembered something before Thanksgiving. Should I go back to that? or just Yeah, start? absolutely, if you want to share okay. it. So it was actually um, on November 23rd. Uh, because they wouldn't let me in this whole time. So my husband was never, Kyle was never tested for COVID in the hospital on his admission. Uh, this whole time they treated him with the remdesivir, this, their treat, standard of care for COVID. So I was getting irritated because the miscommunication, I wasn't there, I was only seeing what was over the chart. You know, they would tell me, basically tell me, ma'am, your husband's alert and oriented. Like, I don't need to make this time basically to make these calls and tell you everything that's going on or make these decisions when your husband can make these decisions but anyway I was getting so tired of all these antics and, and I was like you never even tested my husband for COVID yet you're doing all these things that are COVID and at this point he could be negative so the doctor argued with me and told me that they did test him I said no you didn't he was tested in urgent care and you guys it's not even uh, affiliated with that hospital so you guys are just taking his word for it that's bad practice. Not to mention that the tests were known to be uh, yeah. erroneous very, very frequently, right? Right. So the other thing that really strikes me here is you're an RN. I mean, there are other RNs going into his room, in and out of his room. You obviously know the safety protocols. You're an RN and yeah. you're his wife. What was the reason exactly. that you couldn't be you couldn't be with him? Oh, they told me that um, I'd be risking myself, which I already, I understand when I had COVID not going in there, but I was already past my quarantine at this point now. So yeah, I was risking myself. I'm like, well, that's crap because I have antibodies, you know, natural right. immunity. Right. 
Right. And um, then they said, even if I went in there gown and, you know, gown and all that stuff that I still just being in his room and taking off in whatever, being in the halls and being in the hospital is putting other people at risk, too. But like you just said, there's I mean, what is the point of that PPE if right. if it doesn't do anything? Right. Right. Well, I don't want to talk about myself, but I but I know all there is to know about PPE and masks because I'm a degree safety professional, worked in worked in the business for 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, it's crap. And it's it's yeah. uh, you know, anybody this the thing that stuns me about about Americans today is when do you just take the information you have and know? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there is no reason for everything that's been happening except for that there's a nefarious reason. There's no reason that that they would be behaving like this. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm angry for you and I mm -hmm. I you know, I I think it's rather obvious what they were doing, but um so up to this point they were insistent that doctors were we're not answering your questions directly. They're starting to get combative with you, yeah. even though you're his wife and giving him and giving you the information about him. Mm -hmm. And um, what happened after that? So they did finally test him. I was hoping at this point it would be negative, but you know, they're, they're tests that are not so great. Um, it unfortunately did come back positive still. So that didn't get me in like I wanted it to. Was it a PCR test? Nope. Yep. Okay. Yes, it was. So it was the test that really isn't reliable. Exactly. Um, so then around, like I said, around Thanksgiving, um, he started having this pain and stuff. They gave him some Tylenol. The next day, uh, they called me and told me that they did an x-ray or he, I can't remember exactly if he was having some, his, his oxygen was dipping some, he was desatting or what happened, what the situation was, but they did an x-ray and he had a small hole in his lung, a tiny hole in his lung, they said, um, and which is a pneumothorax. And at that time, they didn't have to do anything about it because it was so small, but I did get a call from the attending doctor and he told me that if they had to do a chest tube, if the hole got worse, that my husband would have to be intubated. And I said, he would have to be intubated. And he said, well, yeah, yeah, most likely. And I'm like, okay, this guy. So what, um, did, you, what did you say to him? Or did you, what, I, did you react to him at all? Or did you just I say, I had this guy's lots of interactions over the phone with this doctor, not impressed at all with his manner with me. Um, he would tell me things like, well, I know the x-ray is going to be worse. And I could hear he's in his car, not in front of my, you know, in front of a computer. Um, in my husband's chart and I said what do you mean you know the x-ray is going to be worse are you looking at it and he'd be like well no it's going to be worse though and then in another instance he would tell me well I can't predict the future and I'm like well you're predicting the future there and then you're predicting the future that my husband's gonna have to go on a ventilator so I just can't like it was just like he was very condescending towards me um, and it was never like I never felt comfortable with so, the conversations that we had, but it was like you were at their mercy. No matter how many questions, they always like went around in circles and made you feel like you were dumb. Well, you know, this is, uh, I've worked with a lot of doctors in my, in my field because of workers' compensation and stuff. And there's one thing I will never be amazed by, and that is the extent to the uh, level of egos that a physician yeah. can have. But um, 
so in this case, it almost sounds to me like the the treatment course was predetermined, and he was going to make the he was going to make the uh, evidence fit the predetermined yes. decision to go ahead and and mm -hmm. and why at this point do you know why they're doing that? Money. <laughs> I don't now. I know. Yeah, this now is all. I mean, this is how this whole thing goes, right? You get your remdesivir, you get worse, you, you get vented because you deset or whatever. You're, you have untreated pneumonia. Um, that damages the lungs. Of course, the lungs are going to get worse if you're not giving the right dose of steroids, if you're not giving breathing treatments, if you're not treating the pneumonia, if you're blasting oxygen, high pressure oxygen in people's damaged lungs, of course they're going to get holes in their lungs, you know? Right. And this, what people have to understand, the viewers have to understand that this isn't just, uh, you know, this isn't just, this isn't fiction. I mean, there no. are guidelines that have been given as to the, the monetary payout for these milestones in the COVID protocols being met. Yeah. And this is something that we've seen across the country and it's probably across the world. Um, they're getting, they're getting large cash payments. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I've heard, you know, hundred grand for getting, getting uh, uh, someone on a ventilator, you know, and, mm -hmm. and people wonder why, I mean, is greed really that bad? The answer? Yeah. Greed yeah. is really that bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so go ahead. So he's, so after we had that conversation, I, I like drove to the hospital and I was like, I'm going to get in there. Like, I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm calling the, the charge nurse. I'm calling whoever I can get a hold of, uh, the house officer, whoever I can get a hold of to get into the hospital. My husband's condition has changed. The doctors tell me that he's going to potentially be on a ventilator and they're, they're going to have to let me get in there. Now, I drive 45 minutes to get there. I'm in the phone begging and pleading with these people, talking to the nurses, talking to the charge nurse, talking to the the um, house manager, like the nurse that's a, you know, in charge of the whole hospital. And they I'm like waiting, waiting. Someone finally calls me back like an hour later and tells me, um, have you talked to the doctors as caring for your husband? Because um, from their standpoint, he's stable. And I'm like, he's stable. I understand he's stable at this moment, but I literally just had a conversation with the attending that my husband might end up on a ventilator. I want to see my husband. We did not have conversations about, you know, DNR, uh, like ventilator, things like that. Like I'm 36, my husband's 39. We've never had these conversations. And, um, so I begged and I pleaded with them to let me in and they still would not let me in there to see my husband. So basically I just texted him. My friend came too and she sat there in the parking lot too. And we both texted him and just told him you're not alone. They won't let us in there. Um, and then after a few hours, it got late and I had to get home to my kids. And um, they called me the next morning and told me that, um, his oxygen dropped again because the hole got worse and they they oh actually they end up putting in a chest tube and that was okay like it, it helped release the pressure you know the um the escaped air so that that did help but overnight and into the morning it wasn't working effective enough and his oxygen was dropping again so they called me on the phone and told me uh, around 10 a.m or 9 a.m when i was bringing my daughter to school I was literally walking my daughter into school and they called me and told me that his action was low and it was staying low and that they needed to um, 
sedate and ventilate him to save his life. And this whole experience has been such a nightmare and your head is so like just mind blown to everything that's going on. You can't believe it and you don't know what to think and you don't know how to react and they wouldn't let me in there and I'm trying to, you know, interpret everything from home and not seeing what's really happening. So they held the phone for Kyle and I told him that I loved him. He said, I love you. And I said, don't be afraid. I love you. And he said, I love you again. That's, and that's the that's, last time I talked to my husband. That's heartbreaking and, and inexcusable. And these people must be held accountable. Well, let me kind of describe one of the days in my life. This weekend, we're about to get into church and this young lady comes running in, just crying and weeping and crying that, you know, somebody sent her to come to church to see me because uh, her mom was in the hospital. She went in for a procedure, ended up with COVID. Right now she's in the ICU and they're giving the mom severe. and that each time they give the mom severe, it gets worse and they're going to kill her mom. And somebody sent her to me, doctor said, please, what can I do? How can I help? And she was weeping. My heart just broke. And I told her, I said, You've been hearing me. All of you have been hearing me over and over. And I've been screaming from the rooftop. Everybody get hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in your medicine cabinet. This is weekend. It was like Saturday evening. It's like, what do I do? There's nothing I can do right now. I can call the prescription to a regular uh, pharmacy. Our pharmacies are closed till Monday. And what can I do? It was like a very devastating situation. Anyway, we prayed with her and everything. And I told her, I said, okay, just get ready Monday go to my clinic, see whether they can get some ivermectin. Since the father still goes in to see her, see whether they can sneak in some ivermectin to give it to her in the hospital. Guess what happened? She called, we, we checked back on her to see what was up with that. And she said, oh, the father said, oh, no, 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 she can't, he can't do that. He doesn't want to be arrested. What if he gives her ivermectin, ivermectin kills her? He doesn't want to be arrested. And oh, no, no, he can't do that. Well, that was a day in my life. So America, please don't wait till you come running to me or call me at 3 a.m. at night, which I get those calls all the time to come and get your family member out of the hospital or you're in the hospital right now or you're sick and you can't breathe and you want me to get hydroxychloroquine to you, ivermectin to you like now. It's not possible to get it to you like now. When we get hydroxychloroquine, we ship it. We call it to mom and pop pharmacies that will ship it to you. That sometimes takes two, three days. So please, please, please hear me. Get hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in your medicine cabinet right now. Now they are talking about malaria in the horizon. Please, if you have hydroxychloroquine, if something happens and then you're calling us, at least we can just tell you what to do. But please, 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 I believe in hydroxychloroquine Sunday, Sunday medicine or ivermectin Sunday, Sunday medicine. And watch my video on malaria. It will kind of explain to you why it is important that people be on these medications to also prevent malaria. God bless you. And please, please do something now. Go to drstellamd.com. Use the promo code right here on your screen and you'll be able to get a discount. Thank you and God bless you. Yeah, I'm so sorry that you are going through this. This is not the United States of America that I grew up in. Right. And these people are murderers. This is yeah. this is genocide. It's crimes against humanity, period. Um, Fauci is at the forefront of these evil, evil people. And I'm... Uh, I just want my viewers to know that, you know, these stories, this is common. That's a, this is, uh, this is uh, sadistic, satanic, uh, and we have to help 
people like Sarah and if you can at all donate, go to the link that's in the description to help bring these people to justice. And the thing that I kept thinking about as you're going through this story is your young kids. Yeah. You know, and how, you know, if you're, if you're happen to be watching this and you're a medical professional who has taken part in, in this type of behavior, number one, you're not a medical professional. Yeah. And number two, you're, you're evil and I want you to live with the thought every day of what you have done to the children and grandchildren and spouses and friends and family of the people that you participated in killing. Exactly. Uh, and I hope that you suffer every day. I mean, and this is, <laughs> I'm so angry for you that, yeah. you know, I better not say any more <laughs> because, yeah. because uh, uh, we have to focus on, we have, you know, there's one thing about Christians that the far left doesn't understand. Um, being a Christian doesn't mean you're a doormat. Forgiving somebody doesn't mean you forget. And we cannot forget. Mm -hmm. We have to bring these people to justice. So I want you to share, Sarah, um, what you think is important for people to take away from your story, what you would like them to do, and how they can help you and others. Um, so there's a lot more to the story. Um, I mean, this gone on, the, the main things, yeah, that, that don't make sense. I mean, this is happening. This is happening. And you, like my husband was, I feel like he was a prisoner and we were at their mercy. As this went on, he was on the vent for like six weeks because um, a couple weeks later, he went into kidney failure and he was filling up with fluid. They did dialysis on him every day. It was like all these meds to sedate him and paralyze him, which makes no sense because you have a rest. If you're having respiratory difficulty, putting all these medications that are respiratory depressants on top of that is just like a, a recipe for disaster. There right. These are the these are the drugs, the same drugs that are part of the protocol, the same drugs we heard about with uh, Grace Shera, Scott's daughter, who who passed away, basically um, sedation, so it, it lowers the the uh, respiratory response, right? So it's, exactly. So it depresses it, and right. So and, how do you get off a ventilator? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's flat out murder, pure and simple. Yeah. And I want people to go to get the rest of your story. You got it pretty well written out there. Yeah. Go to this Give Send Go. Give Send Go is a uh, Christian uh, organization that. You know, as opposed to the Go GoFundMe, which yeah, I'm not going to say anything that isn't true, so they can they can shove it. Basically, they're the ones that kicked people off, uh, mm -hmm. like you, who have gone through this absolutely sadistic experience. And uh, so, go to Give Send Go. The links below. You can read the rest of the story. You can um, you can donate. I highly encourage you to do that. And um, what else, Sarah, what else would you like people to do? Just know, like, I didn't know before about, um, like, I knew about the telehealth doctors and things like that. There are, like, people that can help you, even if you go into the hospital and, like, do your research about remdesivir and, 
and um like they just kept refusing anything i would ask multiple times for different treatments not just ivermectin other things i got a lawyer um one of the nurses said incriminating things about me um and so that whole lawsuit got shut down um and that was like them trying to stop me it's like pure evil all these steps that they have taken this whole way there's so many things that like happen for all this like just to implode um so that they made sure my husband didn't make it out of there i i don't understand it's it's pure it's pure evil it's complete evil but there are people that that can help you get the things that you need at home obviously i'm not like if someone is like really suffering and they need to go to the hospital like if that's what you feel like you need to do but there are people that are out there that can help you the frontline doctors and nurses um that you can get in contact with and they can, you know there's these compound pharmacies if anyone wants to contact me i can give you some contacts here in michigan two pharmacies i found because i ended up getting more ivermectin for kyle a higher dose from another doctor when he was in the hospital they still just kept on refusing to give it to him i had to go through all these hoops but if I would have known all the things I know now, like if I knew as much as I knew about remdesivir that got shut down in the Ebola trials because it was killing 53% of the participants, why they're using it now is beyond me. Yes, Fauci equals evil in my mm -hmm. mind. Um, he's the ringleader. Uh, he's um, he's he, the American Dr. Mengele. He's worse than Dr. Mengele. He's killed yeah. far more people. Yeah. And uh, he, also, he also directly profits from the treatment protocols Oh, yeah. As we know, uh, being a patent, uh, partial patent owner. Of course. Um, yes. So how do they contact you? How do how do people contact you? Uh, I mean, they can contact me on Facebook. Um, I'm not really on any other social media. Unfortunately, I need to branch out, I guess, uh, to some more secure, some more secure, less censored things. Um, but I'm not really too much involved on it. But if anyone wants to message me or I can give you my email, Jeff, if anyone, you know, I can help. Yeah. Guide anyone, get these pharmacies, the doctors, how to get a hold of them. I mean, you can go to the frontline doctors. I think Push Health is one, protocolkills.com. They have information on there how you can get in contact with how you can be treated at home and hopefully, you know, get the early preventive treatment before it gets to a point where you would ever need to be a hospital. Because a hospital to me now, especially with COVID, is like a label on your head, is like money, 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 and it's like a death camp. It's so sick and it's so evil. And I literally was like living this nightmare, even though I knew in the back of my head all the things I had heard, I never thought, I never thought this would happen to me. You know, they kept telling me he's well, young he and he's healthy. And you know, that was ingrained, like we'll get through this. And I was very sick, but you know, I made it and, and Kyle was just always like a little bit more sick than me. And it was just, we thought we were going there to get, you know, maybe a little action, some steroids help home. And it was like just downhill plummet since he got the remdesivir and since we got into the hospital i never imagined this would ever happen well what american what american would you know right. i mean and you you got into the nursing profession what has it done to you um as a as an rn yeah i i thought everything was wonderful before all this covid stuff and i know things in history have not been great but this is the one that's really affected me and most you know in my life obviously so it's really opened my eyes i i tried going back to work because i work in labor and delivery so i thought oh you know my little shut off area i don't really deal with covid patients um but being back there was very, very difficult for me. I don't think, I don't know if I can even go back to that. Uh, I'm going to leave again because I just have so much anxiety, uh, potentially PTSD. I'm in therapy. Um, just being in the hospital, hearing the beepings, just seeing 
vital signs, lab work, everything like that. Like it's really, I'm really struggling. And and I, I encourage anyone who's watching this happen because you know what's happening if you're watching this unfold. And and I want to believe that there are good healthcare professionals there, but you if you're watching this and being a part of it, then you need to be the ones that are speaking up because right. that is a lot our stories plus that is a lot more valid than just us. We we need insiders. We need people who are seeing this and need to stand up. That's what you you took an oath to do no harm and you are literally going along with it because it's you need a paycheck. It's your livelihood. What about yeah, us? Yeah, exactly. There was a there was a uh, a website I have on my phone here, uh, nursefreedomnetwork.com. Yes. Um, nursefreedomnetwork. It's all together.com. Yep. Um, another nurse that was at the rally yep. uh, founded that. Highly recommend if you're a medical professional, go check that out. Yep. Um, we need we need people to stand up and be bold. And I mean, you want to be you want to be you want to leave a legacy, people. Um, you know, I always talk about the legacy of freedom. Well, how about this one? You know, how about this one? A legacy of of actually speaking out and speaking up and putting these these evil SOBs away. Yeah. exposing them no it's not going to be easy but compared to what sarah's going through it certainly isn't isn't anything so sarah i want you to uh to reach out anytime if there's anything that i can do for you personally i i would love to share your links if you want to send me those links i'll have those in the description i'll add them to my resource page as well sure. and um all i can say is that you're you're in my prayers and i ask everybody to put you in theirs as well and um, thank you for telling your story i you know i can't imagine how difficult it is but uh you know i commend your courage and uh i wish you god's blessings going forward and anything we can do we'll definitely do thank you so much jeff thank you heartbreaking story uh you know, revisiting that just reminds me of the scale of what we have endured. And it's not just the United States. You remember the shutdowns. You remember people being, you know, literally uh, physically assaulted for not wearing masks, and you know the whole um, the whole uh, trucker issue in Canada, and uh, people standing up. You know, you got. Um, got vilified and pushed back on and the uh, documentary breaking the oath that I directed and produced is is the story of the sheriff family and um, there are common threads in every one of these which really stand out and um, number one I think the treatment of the family the not allowing the family in the hospital room even if the patient is no longer testing positive for COVID. You know, there's just all kinds of things that don't pass the common sense sniff test. And uh, the in the documentary, Dr. Moon, who I've had on the show a couple times, uh, talks about and compares it to, you know, the, who's piloting the airplane. You get on the airplane and you ask the pilot if, if he's a pilot. And he says, no, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, gate check-in person, I'm an administrator, whatever. 
And that's who's flying the plane right now is the administrators in the hospital. They're the ones that uh, are forcing this on patients and doctors and nurses. And um, we just need you doctors and nurses to stand up and not tolerate this. We need to go back to this era, you know, when when the NFL wasn't kneeling and when they didn't have all these woke slogans on their uniforms, um, you know, they actually tried to make a difference for good. And that's, that's something that we all have to do. Just say no, stand up, and don't tolerate the tyranny and abuse. Thank you very much. God bless you. We will see you tomorrow. Hey Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to KirkElliottPhD.com slash The Patriot Review, get all kinds of free, great information and invest in gold and silver for your future. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patriot Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a moth from the gym, Add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey, Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. 